Welcome to the Name Your Layers podcast, a podcast where I, Alyssa, talk to fellow designers and chat all things branding and design. We'll cover their background and sometimes their nonlinear path to becoming a designer. We'll talk tools, fonts, and all things around brand identity and pretty much life stuff as well. This podcast doesn't require a design degree. You don't have to have a favorite font and you don't even have to be a designer to listen. Come for the conversation, but stay for the good vibes. Full transparency, this guest and I chatted earlier this summer, but I would be a fool to not publish it before the year was over. On this week's episode, we sit down with Twitter's own NYC marketing kid, AKA Caitlin. You may be a fan of her work, but after this conversation, you are definitely gonna be a fan of her as a human being. So let's jump right in into this week's conversation with Caitlin. Please, you know, introduce yourself. Who's Caitlin and, you know, what are you about? The floor is yours. Awesome. Hi, my name is Caitlin. I'm currently a student uh, stuck at NYU, but I grew up in Atlanta, so have ties back to there as I've learned a lot of marketing people do, oddly enough. I, up until recently, was in Colorado, so I got to meet a couple people out there. Um, but I am back in New York and back at school and off of my gap semester and very excited to keep learning. My bucket in terms of what my role is or what I'm looking to do is still kind of vague. I really enjoy everything that basically from business to art to technology. Mm -hmm. So I'm, you know, I'm working with tech nonprofits and (laughs) writing research class. I think that's really common too. Like, I don't think, I mean, maybe it's society, but you're not really supposed to have what you want in life figured out by your age or any age. I mean, I don't, I don't think it really matters anymore, but I love, that's what I really like about your stuff is that it's so diverse. Like one minute you're making a Sonic thing for me. You're making an avid, like someone's avatar. If you just scroll through your Instagram, it's like different kinds of illustrations. And I think that's what makes you so cool and unique uh, is that you can kind of just do everything. And I think by doing everything, you'll eventually figure out your favorite thing. And I'm excited to see what that is for you because you're very talented. And I'm not saying that just because you're on the podcast. I I would tell you that anyway, but your stuff is so good. So, I mean, were you that kid that was just growing up drawing and always had like a a notebook or did you find your way to illustration a different way? Oh man, you know, it's so funny. I never thought of myself like that. I feel like the first time I really thought about doing art was in middle school. All the schools I've gone to, the the electives you could take like art or band, they were very defined, you know, art was always the easy A, band was like the kind of smart nerdy kids and choir was like the ones with talent, you know? And (laughs) I took band because I identified myself as an academic. So I thought that would be the most impressive, but I realized towards the end of middle school that I did not enjoy band. Um, And I very much wanted to try to do art. So I did, you know, doodle in the margins, but I would say I didn't actually start doing art actively until high school what band instrument did you play (laughs) clarinet i I am hard clarinet is hard i have like i'm still sad that i had a band teacher in like fifth grade tell me i couldn't play a wind instrument because i had asthma so anyone i can like actually like the teacher's like, and because I picked clarinet and he's like, well, you happen to pick the hardest instrument. And I was like, oh, okay. So anytime I hear someone that like actually played clarinet, I like bow down to them because it's incredibly awesome that you could do that. So that's a cool flex was what I'm saying. Cool. Yeah. I mean, the only <laughs> time it's ever been referenced since then was in reference to Squidward. So I'm, I appreciate your, your applause for that, for my cool. brief stint as a musician. <laughs> Um, so then, so in high school, you just started drawing for fun or were you like doing stuff for your friends? Like, how did it come about? My art teacher likes to make fun of me. She made fun of me publicly at graduation for this actually, but I started (laughs) by drawing my teachers during class because I feel like, you know, drawing from observation gets you very far in learning how to frame things and what people like to see and that kind of thing. But yeah, I, freshman year, I started just kind of drawing whatever I liked. And at the time I really liked, you know. Hamilton. <laughs> so I like I would like Google which actors were in it and I would draw them and I actually ended up like sending some to them. But, you know, I, things like that that gave me affirmation that people enjoyed what I was doing meant a lot to me at that point because when you're so new, it's like you need people to support it. But yeah, I actually almost gave it up oddly enough before the end of high school. I had people asking me, you know, do you want to go to college for art? And I was like, 
no, no, I don't, I don't think I do. I don't think it's, you know, I don't think I have a future in it and all this stuff. But I, I ended up uh, having some people in film, actually. I ran into a film set and they were very encouraging in terms of telling me to keep drawing. And so I have. <laughs> That's awesome. That's really cool that, that they did that for you. Because your work is really incredible. And I, I can't, I don't know what you'd be doing. Or I mean, what would you have done if you didn't do the art route? Would you be like, doing tax law or something really fun oh, or writing gosh, a novel? Oh, gosh, no. I could never be a lawyer. I never could. Um, I think I probably would have gone more into journalism, to be honest, more just because I enjoy writing about things, but I also just like business analysis stuff, which is so nerdy, but... Um, no, it's not nerdy. I mean... That's probably where I would have ended up. <laughs> no, that's interesting. That's so different than what you went down. So, okay, so high school, you decide, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to school for art. And then what did you decide? Like, I'm going to focus on illustration. I want to do like this kind of design. What was like your choice? You're like, I don't know yet. I'm just going to take all the classes. Yeah, um, <laughs> pretty much that. <laughs> take all the classes. When I was applying, I mean, I toured NYU and I thought, oh my gosh, like I need to go here. City is my campus. All those cheesy words um, that they say on the tours. <laughs> um, and I was trying to look at, you know, what majors I could pick, like studio art and all this stuff. And I thought, you know, I do like business analysis too much to kind of give it up. So I ended up uh, in marketing, which I think is kind of funny because it's more, it's the creative version of business really. Mm -hmm. um, That's so true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. But my, my major is something absolutely horribly long media culture and communications with business of entertainment and technology. Like it's, you know, a mouthful wow. to say the least. That's a but, lot. <laughs> yeah. But through it, I've gotten to, work on a lot of projects that are kind of art specific. Mm -hmm. Like I get to use my passion for art uh, within my projects, which is very fun. That's so. awesome. Very cool. So when you're designing or illustrating, what's kind of your, your process? Cause I know you, you kind of do a variety of things, right? Like I mentioned the Sonic work, you've done people's avatars or their characters and you do, you know, I'm assuming cause you live in New York, are you also kind of drawing people that you see out, you know, at like <laughs> park or anything like people watching? When I have too? time. <laughs> yeah, for sure. When I have time, for sure. Yeah, what? my process is really, it's kind of funny because uh, Twitter has kind of opened my eyes with this. I only joined Twitter, like at the beginning of the pandemic, so like March last year. And I never really thought about just like using my art for smaller things. I always thought it was either like not an artist or a full-fledged artist. I never saw the kind of in-between of that. Like I feel like design and marketing are kind of hand in hand on that um, in a lot of ways. So my process was basically, I'm just gonna do what I think is fun, which was going to webinars and drawing what's happening in the webinars and what they're <laughs> talking about and all this stuff. And I got a lot of positive feedback from it. So it turned into a people make requests and I try to make their requests look nice. But more technically, I guess, I, I just use, you know, Procreate and my iPad pretty much for everything. Mm -hmm. um, do you prefer to do, like, are you more of, like, a are you really all in on, like, Procreate and iPad? Or are you still doing, like, a sketchbook, like, pen to paper, too? I still have a sketchbook. Um, it's the same one I had in high school. I'm one of those annoying artists that doesn't just use my sketchbook to sketch. So every page is more like a piece of art itself than, like, mm -hmm. a practice. So... Still have the same one and definitely still use it. But uh, I've gotten a lot more into digital recently. And that's probably blaming on COVID. But <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I mean, Procreate, I think I mentioned Procreate every episode or I reference it because it's really kind of leveled the playing field, I feel like. It's just accessible. And I think it's really cool that you can just do it digitally. I have a hard time doing the iPad pencil like experience. I'm very used to paper. So for me, I have right. a hard time adjusting, but I'm always like amazed at the people that can just what they can create using an iPad and Procreate. What's like your go-to, like, are you usually someone that can find inspiration pretty quickly when you're working or do you have to like do a process? Like I got to have coffee. I got to have like the right playlist. I got to go for a walk. What do you do to kind of get in the, in the quote unquote zone as they say? Yeah, that's a good question. Most of the stuff I've worked on so far as a student, I get to kind of hunt and pack and choose what I want to work on, which is really nice. But most of the stuff I've worked on has been things that I'm pretty passionate about. Like I, I work uh, with a nonprofit right now and I've been doing a lot of their marketing for donation campaigns and their fellowship and things like that. And um, 
to me, like that comes a little naturally when it's something I'm so passionate about myself. They were like, draft up an ad for including inclusivity in our fellowship. And I was like, bet. And later that day, I sent them something. And they said, perfect. But in terms of things that are more, you know, a little out of your comfort zone, I guess, I add in the step of I kind of write down all my thoughts, do some research, and then rewrite all my thoughts with the context of the research. Sometimes when you're partnered with a brand and you get way too into their brand and into their terminology, you lose Mm -hmm. the fact that their audience is not going to have all that context. So So I do Mm -hmm. like to kind of jot down all of my first thoughts before even getting far into the project and then kind of keep the ones that are similar with my further insights later on and add those together and put them into the creative. I like that. No, that's that's a really good, really good point that most of the time the audience that's absorbing your content or your work does not know the brand guidelines. They don't know, you know, they don't know the ins and outs of the company. And right. no, I mean, you hit the nail on the head there. I think that's really, that's really smart that you said that. So do you listen to music? Are, are you one of those people that has like a certain stuff that you listen to? Or do you listen to podcasts when you work? I started listening to podcasts last year. Um, I had a job in Brooklyn that I had about a 45 minute commute to every day and every afternoon. And um, I started listening to podcasts then because I got tired of my Spotify cutting out when the Wi-Fi on the train cut out. So yeah, but I I started with comedy ones like uh, My Brother, My Brother and Me, such a good podcast. (laughs) And then I kind of got more into business ones since I was going to work. I figured I should probably get in the zone. (laughs) So yeah, I listened to like How I Built This, on NPR and um, there's a couple that uh, fellow people on Twitter have started that I have very much enjoyed and I'm blanking on the names, but they're pretty good. That's cool. But you should not ask me about music because <laughs> I just pick the things that Spotify recommends to me. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Hey, that's why if you just made someone at Spotify's day whose job is to curate those playlists for you. So that's totally fine. <laughs> Um, you just save someone's job for the week, probably, because they're like, oh, look at Caitlin. Caitlin does it. She appreciates my playlists. And that's really awesome, though. So what has kind of been your favorite project to date that you've worked on? It could be personal or professional, but, you know, what was the project and what was the, the scope of work that you had to do? Oh, geez, I've enjoyed so many, honestly. The one that kickstarted it all was one I did for Film Sets, which was just an art project more than a, like, paid design project. I don't know if that's what uh, I should be talking about in this. Oh context. no, it could be yeah. it could be paid. It can be for fun. It could be anything. Just whatever like you've worked on that. It really just it was your favorite thing. Oh okay okay. I'm a really big fan for context. I'm a really big fan of like the behind the scenes of like movies and TV and all that stuff. Like just mm-hmm. seeing how things were made and the behind the scenes interviews stuff like that. Basically, right before I graduated high school, I was in downtown Atlanta and I found a Marvel film set and I walked by, figured out what it was after they tried to convince me it was like a code name and all this stuff. Um, And I (laughs) sat down and uh, started drawing. They were very nice to me, I think because they had seen people draw the actors, but not the cameras before. So Mm -hmm. the camera crew was very excited about it. And they came and talked to me. They offered me LaCroix because there is an awful amount of LaCroix on Marvel film sets. (laughs) Fun fact. That was kind of the beginning of what I've been doing more recently of like Mm -hmm. listening to things, taking insights and adding visuals to like these big drawings Mm -hmm. because I basically sat there and just talked to people on the set, wrote down what suggestions they had and what advice, and then added in, you know, the cool background of all the cameras and the actors and that kind of thing. Which Marvel Marvel movie was it? Um, they ended up kind of inviting me back on the lowdown. And this wasn't just like one person sneaking me locations. It was uh-huh. like a couple people would be like, hey, just, you know, maybe come back next week. Because they knew I wouldn't spoil it for people. It was mostly Infinity War, Endgame. I was on a Spider-Man one or two, some random That's ones here and there. But That's really awesome. So you just kind of set up shop there with like your, with your notebook or was this using your iPad? Uh, notebook. Didn't even have an iPad at that point. So I set up shop literally just sitting on the sidewalk. <laughs> Some gross parts of Atlanta too. But it was something I was passionate about. I really enjoyed. So I think back on it now and I realized how much it helped me develop my art style because mm-hmm. I, I thought while I was there, I was like, oh, I'll draw it like comic style because it's Marvel, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm realizing now so much of my style is based on those 
little bits of research I did on comic style back then. Your style is super distinct too. I wouldn't, I don't really know how to like describe it. Uh, or maybe my vocabulary is not as like well-versed as I thought, but it's very you, like it's not graphic novel-y. It's not like character. It's just, it's very, it's very, it's very Caitlin. And I like that because you're not, it's clear you're not like copying anybody. Uh, you have like your own flavor on it, which I think is really cool. And I'm really excited. I didn't know that fact about the Marvel movies. I think that's actually probably the coolest origin story I've ever heard about anyone's career before, because I mean, granted, you know, Atlanta has a bunch of movies being filmed there now, but for you just to like kind of walk past and get the idea to draw them. And then the crew, the crew was probably so stoked that you did that. Because to your point, they're never really looking at the cameras. Like people like want to see Robert Downey Jr. They want, they want that picture. They don't want, you know, the behind the scenes stuff. So I think that's really awesome. That right. you did that. Thank you. And you know, it it just was a funny experience in general because when you walk up to a film set, their first thought is get away, like stay mm-hmm. away from the film set. But I mean, after a while, it became pretty clear I wasn't intending to spoil like one of the biggest movies they've made to the general public. So it was nice. Sometimes I think about like I was in high school, so I hadn't thought about the whole like networking thing and getting to know people and connecting mm-hmm. with them later. So sometimes I'm like, man, I wish I did. But other times I'm like, I'm really glad I didn't because it would have taken away from, you know, what I was trying to do, which was just draw. So, yeah, not to bring it back to the name of the movie, but you had no end game. <laughs> you were just yeah. like, I'm, <laughs> I'm here to just yeah. like have fun and it's a hobby. Yeah, to your point, I think if you would have made it, if it had become like a business transaction or like I'm trying to network with them, it probably would have felt differently. Right. Who's to say, like, maybe you'd be, you know, someone's personal assistant drawing stuff like that. Have you ever thought about making like a a book or something from that experience or publishing it somewhere? You know what? I actually had that thought last year. I feel like I have so much going on that I would never have time to do something like that. But I had this idea that I could um, like talk to different people working on film sets, not just Marvel, but like all over and Mm -hmm. kind of like do a little interview and have almost like a coloring book style book where it's like you could read through and see the different roles on film sets because it's so interesting to me. And I feel like no one except the people that study film really like what's a grip? Like what? What's a gel? I mean, Mm -hmm. All these things are so niche, but they're so fun to learn because everyone consumes movies and TV every day. So why not? Well, I think that would be amazing. I mean, I don't know if I'm the only one, but I I remember like at a very early age being like, what's a best boy? What's a grip? Like I was (laughs) I was a lot like you and I'm so very like a lot of the things I love to watch are behind the scenes. Like making the video was my favorite like show growing up because it was behind the scenes of a music video. But just watching like Pixar has a great thing on Disney Plus right now. I want to say it's called Inside Pixar, but it's all the behind the scenes and like how they do the creative process and sketching to bring in it with claymation or whatever it is. So I, I totally get that. But if you would to make like that accessible too to like younger kids that want to get into filmmaking through like a coloring book experience, that would be awesome. I don't know who wouldn't who wouldn't buy that because it's so unique and like it's niche, like you said, but it, it's also very cool and so different. And it's different than like reading about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, I just I like the the I like the way that art can add to general marketing or educational things by making it more engaging. Oh, 100%. So. Yeah, totally. One question I like to ask everybody is I know for you 13 wasn't that long ago, but what would 13-year-old <laughs> Caitlin think about present-day Caitlin? Would she be like, "What are you doing? Like, what are you doing with your life?" or would she get it? Would she be like all for it or Oh, she a hundred percent would not understand a single thing I was talking about without a doubt. (laughs) I feel like, I mean, 13 was like the end of middle school and I was a really like obtuse kid. Like I had things I was interested in, which were mostly like TV shows and movies. But I mean, I didn't realize till years later that there was like cliques and popular groups. I never really quite understood the social aspect that transition to, I didn't even have an idea on what I wanted to do in the future. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, middle school teachers always ask that. They're like, what do you think you want to do in the future? And I was like, I used to say teacher just because they were a teacher and I thought they might like that answer, <laughs> but yeah. I had no clue. I mean, I had no clue at all. Mm-hmm. And we certainly never had classes that talked about, you know, marketing or design, especially in the digital sense. I mean, we had a mm-hmm. typing class if that counts, but yeah, it's Certainly fascinating. No. I never really put that together that they do ask you that in middle school for some reason, but they never really yeah. give you. I mean, 
I guess for me, the youngest, I really remember them bringing up different professions was like career day when you're like early on in elementary school, but it's everyone's Mm. parents, right? So, and it's kind of rare, at least in my experience, that someone's parent was a designer or anything creative. Everyone was usually like a lawyer, a doctor, you know, like the traditional jobs. So the fact that, you know, a designer is even a possibility, like for me, I didn't even realize design was a possible full-time job until I was like a senior in high school. And someone presented it as an opportunity when I was already like going to do something else. But I think it's cool to ask the 13 year old question because I'm assuming like you had some interest, you liked the movies, you liked that stuff. So if you were to tell like 13 year old Caitlin, the Marvel story, would she be like, that's fucking cool? Or would she be like, wow. Okay. Caitlin, like what would be her reaction? Oh, she would freak out. She would freak out a hundred percent. I just like what you were saying about how, uh, like for career day, even just that one example, like how you feel like the parents can always come in and have a different job. That's usually not a creative role. I feel like that's a sign of the times because before, before the internet, which sounds so cheesy, but before the internet, it was hard to be an artist in general because the networking was very difficult. And finding your audience was very difficult when you didn't have an online platform. But I mean, since things, even just like Instagram came out, like it's so much easier to be an artist and make profit. There's no more starving artist unless you're just not trying to reach an audience, you know? Mm-hmm. So hopefully from now on, there's going to be way more creatives involved in those kind of days at school because well, I, I certainly, can't wait. I hope yeah, so. I certainly, as a 13-year-old, didn't even picture that in the future for me. Even if I had wanted to, I don't think I would have been able to think about it. So, Yeah, I hope so. I'm really excited because I have kids and I can't wait for that career day to be like, well, because also I think what we do like creatively, I think kids understand it. Like you can make it fun for them depending on how you position it. Whereas in right. no knock against like the traditional jobs, I think kids will gravitate more towards like, oh, I like to, if, like if you publish your coloring book, I made this coloring book. And they'd be like, how did you make that? Like, they would be so fascinated to hear about that. And they're like, yeah. And, and, you know, they see someone doing it and they're like, oh, this is a job that I could do one day. Like whether it's mm-hmm. a coloring book or something else creative, they just know that it's possible, which is I think really cool. And to your point, very exciting to see because there will for sure be more creative people at career day in the future. Right. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, So who was like your, you know, you talk about your favorite project, what would be like your dream project with like your dream company or dream brand? Assuming budget's not an issue. And they just like gave you full reign, what would you want to work on and for who? Oh, man. I mean, if I could take that idea for a book and make it an actual campaign for like a Disney movie or something, that would be amazing. Like just being able to illustrate the behind the scenes I don't know. I'm, I'm part marketer too. So I'm almost just like, I just want to interview them, you know, but <laughs> hmm, it's a very good question. I feel <laughs> like um, in terms of projects, I just would love to work on without a budget constraint. Hmm. I could see your work being like a, a canvas. I could see it being like clothing. You could like, your work is just so versatile. So would you ever be interested if like a band came to you or let's say Disney was like, Hey, we want to have like a special campaign or special project for Disney parks. And we want to take all of our, let's say it's all their Pixar, right? They're going to like, Oh, we're going to do a whole line. So it's going to be cups and it's going to be the Disney ears. They have the the merch, the hood, like everything that you would basically walk into a Disney shop. Would you do something like that? Oh, Yes. See, the thing is, like, because I haven't, you know, we were talking about earlier, like, finding a bucket. Mm-hmm. I definitely haven't yet. So there's so many different things. Anything in film, um, anything involved with, you know, sci-fi, especially. I love sci-fi. And I feel like I won't go on my whole lecture here. I'm probably going to end up writing 50 billion papers for classes about this. But <laughs> go for think, it. <laughs> I think um, sci-fi and like comics and drawing specifically have this very unique ability to let people picture the future. And mm-hmm. you could reference things back to like Star Trek and the flip phone theory about how flip phones developed from the depictions in media and stuff like that. But I think even more practically, we have technological developments because of media we consume, but we also have social developments and with things like sci-fi where we're picturing the future, like how we picture race and gender and inclusivity in the future could shape how we think we're capable of making a future. So 
I remember seeing like Marvel movies with Tony Stark and I was like, wow, I want to be like a coder. But, and this isn't a knock on this because it's it's a male character. It's not meant to be a female character. But if it had been a female character, I might've actually been like, huh, that could be me, you know, rather mm-hmm. than that's really cool. Um, yeah. No, I mean, I think so, it's happening right now yeah. with them. Re- I don't know if it's rebooting, but with Hawkeye. Hawkeye, it's his daughter and it's Haley <laughs> oh, Steinfeld. Yeah. And I've seen, I'm, I'm personally excited because it's a badass character. She has, you know, she has a bow and arrow. She's essentially her dad, right? The same character, just younger. Uh, I'm excited for young girls to see that and be like, hey, I can take up. And it's kind of what happened with the Hunger Games a couple years ago. Just seeing that you could be like something like that. I mean, granted, it's not a coder, but it, you know, it's something that typically women aren't portrayed at on screen, but it mm-hmm. just takes one time for someone to see it. And then like, oh yeah, I can, why not me kind of thing. Exactly. And I feel like in terms of me being involved in projects, I would love to be involved in something like that, where it is kind of like new to the space, so to speak. Like, I, I know, I mean, there's characters like Riri Williams, which is like, it's like Iron Man, but like more accessible to teenage girls, really. And there's just so mm-hmm. many projects that I think it'd be so cool to work on, even if it was just making merch for the main story. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be amazing. Yeah. What I can see you Just totally doing in like in like a couple years, I'm predicting it is working on something like what they just did with Spider Verse. You know how oh they reimagined my gosh, it. I love that movie. And I know oh, they're making so a second good. one right now, but I could see you doing something like maybe they take a character that was you know whatever it was like how they had the re- other Peter Parker and they've now reimagined it. Granted, Miles Morales is his own like comic book in itself, but that similar approach and like how they brought Spider-Verse to screen. Like it's honestly like my favorite movie, visually speaking ever. I think it's, I have the book on like the art from the movie, but I could totally see you doing that in the future. Some sort of like, cause that's, that's kind of where I see you going. Like, I'm not trying to like fortune cookie you, but your work, like you literally could do anything. And I think it's so exciting that you haven't figured out your bucket yet because you don't need to, like you, you could do it all if you wanted to. I mean, there's only so many hours in a day, so you might have to figure out when you're going to sleep. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. I don't see why you can't do it all. I mean, like you said, you haven't tried merch yet or you haven't done this, but it's just a matter of time. It just someone has I, to either I will hear say. them, hear you talk about it. And they're like, oh, yeah, let's hire Caitlin. Like, honestly, like if I was starting, this is my dream is to have a record label, which is hilarious in the economy. Oh, wow. um, but I would totally like hire like you could totally do like a whole tour like thing aesthetic. Uh, and that happens like bands do that they're like hey we want this certain look and feel for this album cycle and then they hire like an illustrator or someone like you to, to do it and I, i'm putting that out there you're gonna do that next for sure i i appreciate your manifestation <laughs> there it's so intimidating because like you talk about imposter syndrome on twitter and all that stuff but then i feel like it feels fake until you're sitting there and you're like well people way more advanced in that specific thing I want to be in. I feel like if I could ignore imposter syndrome, something I'd really love to get involved in is like um, VR, like oh, AI yeah. and VR in general. It's so, I have this amazing professor right now who's teaching us about it. Her name's Samantha Wolf. Amazing. She's been bringing on in all these guests from Google and everything, talking about how they're building like marketing strategies, but also just like art in VR. And it's so cool. We talk about how VR is the future and it's probably a pretty distant future right now, but it's getting there. I just need to pay, you know, the multiple hundred dollars to use the software, <laughs> which <laughs> I've not been up for so far. But yeah, I think there's like a lot of tech that's just really exciting to learn about. I was talking to someone on the podcast and it was what they're really excited about. And he said something similar and he said 3D. That's kind of his, like when he has time, he wants to really get into 3D design mm-hmm. because he thinks it'd be fun um, to just learn. And he thinks kind of like, that's what he's going to kind of bring into his portfolio next. And I don't mm-hmm. see, I mean, I see AR and VR, it's an expensive tech. So I'm curious what's going to happen in the next like five to 10 years, as far as like accessibility. Cause I don't know many people that have like, the VR, what is it, the Oculus or any of those things? I've yeah, done, I've, I've, yeah. So I'm curious what that's going to be, but from like a design standpoint and like making creative for it and marketing it, it's probably super fun. Right. And honestly, what I figured out, if anyone listening to this is interested in getting into AR, mm-hmm. VR, not many people have VR headsets, but everyone has an AR headset because that's all phones are. The advancements in cameras, that's what it is, filters and everything. I've been playing around with Spark AR, the 
Instagram filter. So fun, completely free. Very, very amusing to work on. But that's so cool. See, you you literally couldn't do it all. You can do it all, Caitlin. I mean, I didn't even know that <laughs> that was like a possibility. But so does it just make the filters? Like when you're in the Instagram stories and the little options, is that what it is? Yeah. So it's, I mean, once you design it, it has to get approved, but they basically built this platform that you can go on and build your own filters by like importing art or 3D assets and all this stuff. And then you can code them along to like respond to what your face does. They've made it pretty simplified or as simplified as it could be. So it's like when you open mouth, change image to blank to make those spinners that were popular for a while. Oh, that's um, so cool. Yeah. I've always wondered if yeah. it was coding or if it was something else, but I like that they made it easy to use. Yes. It's still like a little bit of coding because you have to like connect the dots on when it will do what based on what. I don't know if you ever did Scratch. That's something they're like involving in school curriculums now, but it's like a base. It's a high level, like very easy version of code where they simplify it super down. So it's like. That's awesome. You can code, yeah, right? I know that you're, you're a fellow coder. Remember that you <laughs> um, like to code. I do enjoy it a lot. I'm not super good at it, but I'm getting there. I, I took a class on web design, so I know HTML, even though most people use no code solutions now. <laughs> and I took like a, a Java class in high school and I was pretty decent at that. And now I'm taking Python for data science and visualization. Oh. Um, do you like it? It's fun. I, you know what? I love it until we have an exam. <laughs> And I do super well until we have an exam, but it is very fun to me getting to like build the things that you want to see happen, mm -hmm. even if it's just making an Excel sheet respond how you want it to. I think it's very satisfying. So I'm assuming you've done your hello world test already. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Definitely done the hello world. A lot easier in Python than it is in Java. I'll tell you that. But Oh, see, thank you. I've been saying for years, like I Java is like, I've learned basic Python. I've learned like other like different coding things in my career. JavaScript is still one of those ones that I'm like, I have to Google stuff still to this day. Yes. It's, I don't know what it is, yeah. but I just have a hard time computing JavaScript. Yeah. From my experience, which again, very limited and actual programmers would probably, you know, put me on a guillotine for simplifying. But to me, Python is just the simplified version of Java. So all the things you would have to write, like code, static, void, all that stuff, you don't need that in Python. You just write it. That's fine. I agree with you. Naturally. And this this is not this isn't a coders podcast, so we can say what we right. want. They have they they have their platform to talk about designers and how we don't you know don't do whatever. Um, that's super cool though. Do you think you'll ever connect the coding with the design in the marketing? Do you ever like think you'll work on a project where you get to use all pieces of that? You know, I kind of am right now, which I'm actually, I'm working for a nonprofit. It's called Hack and Why. And their basic thing is they have like fellowships and hackathons to kind of encourage more growth in the tech community in terms of diversity and inclusivity, which I think is a really, really good goal. I've, you know, some fundraising and some fellowship marketing for them where I've gotten to kind of design little ads, that, you know, have computers and code blocks and use, use coding language in tweets. So it, you know, resonates with people who use that language a lot. But in terms of actually like building something with code, I haven't gotten to do that. And we'll see if that ever happens. I think I should finish the class first before I try. But I think what's uh, going to end up happening to you is maybe in a couple of years, you'll be working somewhere. And this is where I've used it is whether you're the designer on the project or the marketer, you're going to be able to communicate with different teams because you know the language, especially like Coders tend to really enjoy working with designers who understand code because you're not going to design mm -hmm. something so crazy that they can't implement because you understand the language. So I think that's where you're going to find yourself, whether, like I said, it's the marketing that you're doing or the design, you're going to still be like able to have that conversation with the dev team, have the conversation with the marketing team. Like that's where it's going to really help you in a couple of years. And that's honestly like probably one of the most fun parts of my job is like, I have conversations with the product team. I go, I have, I'm obviously sitting in marketing. I do the marketing conversations, but then I can go like whip up some comps and it's like, cool. This mm -hmm. is like using all the parts of my brain that I enjoy. Um, because I don't know if you're like this. I don't know if I would be satisfied doing one thing forever. Like, I don't want to just be a designer. I don't want to just be, you know, whatever it is. I like doing a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Are you the same way? Yeah, we, we criticize, like, 
I keep talking about marketing Twitter, but we criticize a lot how people put up roles for like social media marketer and it includes everything to do with marketing ever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, however much that annoys me, I also think it's kind of fun because you have so many hats you can put on and try different things and grow in those things uh, mm-hmm. when managed well. Oh, yeah. I'm fine <laughs> with someone I'm having like yeah. have a bunch of job like bullets on their job description, but like pay them well. Like if you want them to right. do the job of like five people, pay them a really good salary. I think that's what's fun too, is like you get to do different things, whether you're making graphics or figuring out a marketing plan or like, oh, I get to spin up something in HTML. Like for you, you're still going to use HTML. That is what email templates are built on. Unless they're Mm -hmm. using like a no code platform, I still use HTML and I prefer it. I will like whip something up in brackets, which is it's a tool. That's what we use in class. Oh, cool. Okay. Brackets is cool. It's my favorite. I know a lot of coders prefer other, but I just like the UI of brackets, but I'll like write an email template in HTML uh, in brackets and then I'll upload it to HubSpot and then I have my email template. That's so awesome. Yeah, that's, it's, it's, I think it's, that's it's fun. That's the problem with a lot of um, college or even high school, whatever you want to say, courses about like HTML coding is they teach you how to do it, but they don't teach you how to apply it. And I think stuff like that is, they should oh, teach yeah. that more. Just a oh, little for section sure. at the end, like, by the way, you can write email templates with this. Oh yeah. I mean, there's, there's times where, and this will probably happen to you as you like start to work for a company, something will break, something inevitably breaks. I've, I have a good record of breaking things my first week of new jobs. It's just a talent I have. Um, (laughs) But for me, one job was like the pricing page. So this happens a lot, especially with different, like certain size companies, they outsource things, right? So the homepage is built on like, let's say WordPress. The pricing page is like an agency did it and they did HTML. So this was the use case that happened to me the pricing page was like made by an agency and they did HTML inside of a, this was a HubSpot site with HubSpot's language, which is called like HubL, Hubly, I think is how they pronounce it. So it was like HTML with like their version of short code and it broke. And the only way I was able to fix it was because I knew HTML and no one did at the time. And like stuff like that happens where someone's like, hey, whether it's an email template, the website, even email signatures. If you've ever seen people, like if you saw mine in my email signature, that's HTML. So you can apply it there too. I actually didn't know that. I will say, I will say, I feel like I keep pulling up random things that I didn't mention yet, but. um, No, that's what a a podcast is. It's just random things. (laughs) (laughs) My my current thing that I'm, I'm technically a contractor for a company right now. I'm doing uh, SEO, which is very much like code and marketing. The very technical side of it, kind of the repetitive Mm -hmm. side that less creatives get excited for. It's so interesting though, because like, you go into a client site and they just built it completely wrong, but it looks fine. You know, Oh, mm-hmm. like they, they use the wrong, like they use a paragraph code for like something that should be an H1 and that ruins, it's not going to show up on Google because of that. And it's true. Oh my God. I can't even tell you the times what, that I, what, yeah, no, no, go ahead. Finish your story. Go ahead. I was just like, when I, when I was in class learning HTML, he was like, well, you could do a paragraph style this way or an H1. They end up looking the same. And after being an SEO, I'm like, oh, <laughs> not at all. And I'm, I'm sad that that was taught because this is going to be infinitely frustrating for all those business majors that took this class and are going to build their sites wrong. Oh, dude, it's not even just business majors. I worked with someone once who had um, a fine art degree. That was her, that was her background, right? Which is cool. Like she can paint like props to her. But Mm -hmm. when it came to designing like website pages, she was giving me like H1s, like, cause they looked good and like the size. And I was like, first of all, if we're doing it for like size, we can dictate that in the CSS. Like if you want an Mm -hmm. H3 for some reason to be the same size as the H1, we can just say that we don't need to have an H1 repeated because you're just screwing up the SEO. She didn't mm-hmm. care. Um, it was all just like a design standpoint. And I was like, people like you is what gives designers a bad name. But okay. you know what? They're also the ones that give us a job. So that's <laughs> true. We, we have a reason to be involved. Um, yeah. I just oh, yeah. I definitely like, I, oh, for sure. That's why I had my work cut out. I was like, well, you're giving me job security because I get to go redo everything that you just laid out. But yeah, each one, I mean, that's cool that you're into technical SEO, though. That's very, um, not a lot of people like that because it's very, I don't know if analytical is the word, but it's it's not super creative. It's just it's know. very repetitive. It's yeah. very very repetitive, which you know has its perks when you're when you're in college and don't have the brain cells to focus on creative work. It works well, you know. Um, but I don't know if I could exclusively do SEO for the rest of my life. I think it's 
it's very repetitive. Yeah. But it's very There's, fun. I mean, I've learned a lot from research for clients for SEO, a lot about medical terms and a lot about like random things like pet food. I just know a lot now. <laughs> I was just talking to someone about that today. They're a content marketer and that's literally what it's like. You're kind of writing research reports for a living in a sense. Mm -hmm. You're learning things that you otherwise wouldn't have like the capacity or the you would never really have to learn about pet food unless you're working on SEO for a pet food website. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, I'm going to learn the ins and outs because I have to. But that's what's really fun yeah. about it. And then you just become like the person at the party who like knows random shit. Like, oh, I can, <laughs> yep. I can talk about this thing. I can pull out some random facts about some random things. <laughs> One thing I always like to ask people is what, uh, what advice do you have for someone, you know, someone that's younger, let's say it's like, you know, career day and they want to do what you do like what would advice would you have for that younger person oh, I feel like I feel like when I was younger you always heard the like do what you love thing which you know it sounds so nice and like glowy and flowy but ultimately you need to do something that you won't get bored doing if someone told you you had to do it right then so mm -hmm. A lot of people, I feel like when they're told that, they're like, well, uh, I want to be a doctor or I specifically want to code or any of these things. But like, you need to be open to change because we're forced to pick something so quickly, just going to college, when it's like, you could get through college and realize you want to do something completely different. There's so many people in marketing and design who are like, no, I went to school for like pre-med or something absolutely completely separate. So I feel like my advice is just don't just pick what you want to do for the rest of your life based on like what you feel like doing that day. You don't have to silo yourself off. You can just be vague and life finds a way to put you in the right spot. Because I certainly going into last year, I had barely any concept of even stuff that I wanted to do. Like I hadn't even thought about how Marvel had shaped my ideas. I hadn't engaged with other people in the industry. I had no clue. I, I could have just picked some random thing and been in it for their life. I realized during the pandemic that I just need to be open to what people were saying. And I've learned so much from that, um, especially from people on Twitter, just talking about what their job was like and whether I could mm -hmm. picture myself there or not. So staying open is the yeah. TLDR. But, uh, <laughs> I but like yeah. that. No, that's, um, that's really good advice. Have you seen it so far with your peers, especially with the pandemic, right? Everyone's kind of, I keep saying like an existential crisis or they're just reevaluating like what they want to do, whether it's like, do I want to live in this town anymore? Do I want to work at this company? Do I want to like do this? Someone I talked to on the podcast last week, she decided to finally take up design. Like she was doing something else for the longest time. The pandemic hit and she's like, I'm going to take this time to like finally like learn design. Like I want to be a designer for a living. And she taught herself, yeah. did like online courses. And now she's like a full-blown UI UX designer with paying clients and she's doing it, um, which I think is really cool. That's so incredible. have you have you seen that happen with like anybody, you know, anybody in school that's just like, you know what, screw this. I want to do this now. Yeah. You know, I, I will say I'm surrounded by a lot of close friends who are very passionate about their specific field, whether it's, you know, psych or film and TV. So I'll say at the beginning of the pandemic, I wasn't super into digital art and I have become very proficient at mostly procreate, but at digital art in general and design since then, COVID sucks. Like it's horrible and it screwed up a lot of things for a lot of people. And for a lot of people, it's just put students, especially in like a stasis because we feel like we're not getting anything done. We feel like there's no real learning happening because it all feels fake through the computer. So I've seen less branching out and more kind of existential dread. And I know that's a horrible, you know, thing to focus on, but as things are kind of sort of returning to normal right now, where people are more hopeful about returning to class and in-person internships and all that, there's a lot more breaking out and creativity happening right now than there was at the beginning of the pandemic for me. Cause I feel like people just see so many opportunities now, like, even things as simple as internships in California that they couldn't have applied to before, but now that they're virtual, they can. Mm -hmm. So there's, in a weird way, a lot more opportunities for growth right now than there were last year or pre-COVID, mm -hmm. which is really interesting to see. 
Yeah, I was telling someone a similar thing that if you take away all the negatives, right, COVID, if we don't talk about like the negative part, because there's a lot, there's 2020, there's (laughs) There's a lot to, there's, I mean, that's a whole, like, that's a podcast series and just the shit that 2020 has given us. But if you focus on the good things is that it's totally like made it okay. And not even know if okay is the right word, but you can easily, you, if you wanted to, you could have an internship in California because remote Mm -hmm. has kind of become the way it is. And I don't know if it would have happened if we hadn't had the pandemic. I mean, maybe in a couple of years, it would have been more likely that, you know, the work from home thing, but we had this like crash course over the last year where people were like, yeah, why not? And I'm seeing it with jobs, like, you know, and I'm, people are talking about different places they want to work. Like everyone's just like putting remote as their, as the location, like they're fine with it now, which I think mm-hmm. is really cool. Yeah. I think that's a great transition. And especially for accessibility, like, there's so many people, whether it be people with kids or whatever it is, just some people are able to work better from home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think however horrible the pandemic has been, there's a few positives like that that have come out of it that have made things a bit more equalized over the industry. But Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, it just and now it means like if you're a New York based company, you don't have to find the best whatever marketer, designer, anything in New York. You can find the best that person in wherever there's a Wi-Fi connection, which I think is really exciting. Right. Yeah. One thing I forgot to ask you, we talked about Procreate, but what are your favorite tools? Like, what do you like to use? Are you a Photoshop person? Like, what have you been playing with in school, especially that you're like, I I think I'm going to use this long-term. Yeah. I mean, I really liked Procreate. I used Canva a lot freshman year, which has now like become a trend because people on TikTok were like, it's so easy to do marketing stuff on Canva. I like Canva. I've never paid for Canva though, so I don't know the <laughs> capabilities it has. I'm kind of in the boat of if I can avoid paying for it for now when I don't have a professional need for it, then I'm not going to. So I've used Photoshop and InDesign and you know a bunch of Adobe stuff in the labs at school. Mm-hmm. But since the pandemic started, I've pretty exclusively been using Procreate. It's just when I can make so much on it and I can make gifts now on it, which is crazy, but yeah. I admit it doesn't everything. I, I still need to understand vectors and, you know, all the minutia that Photoshop allows. Uh, that's I one of those things. I don't think I can go a single episode without shitting on Adobe's pricing model. I <laughs> yeah. think every episode it gets brought up that it just doesn't make sense. And for me, yeah. it's frustrating because I just wish it was like more accessible. I think we're going that way with Figma, especially, I don't know if you've used Figma yet, But Figma is essentially Illustrator meets Sketch or like Adobe XD, but it's in browser and it's free. It's figma.com and you can make vectors in it. I know some people are illustrating in it. A lot of people mostly use it for like user experience, user interface design, but you can also illustrate. It's not like at the level of Procreate, but it's free. So it's fun. I keep hearing about this. I I feel like I've looked at projects on it before that friends have done, but I haven't actually gotten into it myself. You just convinced me that I need to. (laughs) You'll have fun. I mean, I do vectors, like, especially with my work computer, because we don't have Adobe license. Um, And if I don't want to, like, jump on my personal computer, I'll just grab stuff and bring it into Figma. And I can make SVGs or EPSs or export whatever I need. And it's convenient. Or I had an issue recently where none of my Adobe stuff was working with my computer because the Apple chip and Adobe products were not playing nice together. So I had like a week where my Adobe just was like not opening. And I was like, this is it. This is how I go. Like, I'm just, this is the end. And I had to use Figma for like a week on everything and it worked. And I like that it was free. <laughs> right. So no, cool. agreed. I think it's, it's so frustrating because people talk about the Adobe like student discount, which is so nice, but they have a little clause in there. That's like, you can't sell things you make in this because it's like an educational. Oh, really? Whatever it is. Yeah, I can't remember if that was specifically NYU's problem or if that is a general issue with the student thing, but I, I'm sure they don't actually like go through and sue people, but technically you're not supposed to sell work made on a student account or something like oh, that. Um, I, that wouldn't surprise me. Companies do a similar thing that if you use the company computer for like your side project, technically the company owns that side project. So I, I could see that being right. Funny. That's so crazy. crazy. Well, okay. We're going to make sure, like, maybe we'll crowdfund and get you, like, a lifetime Adobe membership because your work is is too good. 
so everything that you do digitally is procreate like the sonic thing you made me uh alexa's avatars like that was all procreate yeah yeah i've been doing avatars like big webinar summaries um i've done a few like corporate they wanted their headshots done um mm -hmm. and some article illustrations but all of it has been messing around with procreate canvases so that's pretty cool that's awesome yeah, I think it's yeah. it's it's kind of important to note that I never planned on monetizing this thing that I like doing. <laughs> and I never even tried to like advertise that I was doing it for people, but I would do something I just enjoyed for fun for free. And then people would be like, can you do that for me? What are your rates? And I was like, rates? What are rates? <laughs> I, don't, I don't have any. Um, so I've been figuring it out as we go. But, oh yeah, the rate thing is so wild. Um, I've been doing this for like so many years and I got a, I have a DM that I have to answer. And someone's like, what's your rate? And I was like, I did like the Ricky Bobby with my hands in the air. I was like, I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> Cause even like, I just, it's, it's such a weird question too. Um, and I remember when you were, you made the Sonic thing for me, I was like, I'm going to pay you. And you're like, okay, because <laughs> you weren't expecting to like monetize anything, but Hey, when your work is good, you should get, you should get compensated for sure. Cause your, your stuff is Yeah, I've really, gotten really better awesome. about it. I know um, Alexa from Twitter, she talks about accessibility a lot, but she messaged me and commissioned me and she's like, no, 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 I'm paying full price. Like this is happening. You're not going to get me to pay you less because you don't feel like you deserve it. I was like, oh, people are just yeah. very nice sometimes. But <laughs> yeah, and hopefully I hope that you have clients like that forever because those are like the best ones, the ones that actually pay you your worth because mm -hmm. your stuff 100%. is really good. Another thing I wanted to ask you before we go is so what you do is like very specific, right? Do you have any advice for someone who's working with someone like you on a project? Like how, how do you recommend? Cause especially right now, right? Everyone's going like the illustration route. You see all the avatars mm -hmm. or they're doing it on their website or whatever it is. And it's, and it's really cool and it's really um, trendy and I like it. I just curious, what is like your advice for someone that wants to work with you or someone like you like to get the best results and the best relationship out of it? Very good question. And I actually do have an answer for this. Know what you're asking for, which sounds like duh, but I've had multiple people. And if anyone who's commissioned me is listening to this, I'm not talking about you. I, I know who I'm talking about. It's definitely not anyone listening to this. Um, <laughs> Stick burn, but, Caitlin. <laughs> yeah, I know. But <laughs> when you commission someone to do something art related and something that takes a lot of internal creativity and isn't just kind of like drag a box into place, you really have to know what you're looking for, or if you don't, you need to say you don't so that they can give some suggestions on, do you want maybe this style or this kind of thing? Because I've had people like come to me before, they're like, oh, like I want a profile drawing, like just on my face. And I was like, oh, okay. Do you know what you want it for? Like, do you have a use in mind? What would it be helpful to be this shape? Do you, you know, all these specifications. And they just said, no, you do whatever you want. And then I would send it to them and they'd be like, no, 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 no. I wanted it like this, obviously. And I was like, how was I supposed to know that? So, I mean, <laughs> if you want it to be like a profile photo, ask for a profile photo that's like a circle or if like simple things, you know, if you want mm -hmm. the color blue to be in there or you want your shirt to be blue or you want, you know, it to be black and white with harsh colors and all that stuff, like say what you're thinking because the more mm -hmm. info, the better. So that's so true. <laughs> one amazing person just commissioned me the other day and she messaged me and she sent me like 10 photos. And in each photo, she pointed out exactly what part of the photo she liked about her face so that I could combine them into one thing. And that was amazing because like knowing what they want and knowing how to give it to them, such a good feeling. Wait, I yeah. can do that. I can tell you, Hey, this is like, here's all the pictures I took from a photo shoot, find the best version of it and put it together. Like that's a thing. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I've been doing. Like Alexis, again, she she sent me like individual photos of everyone she wanted in there. And then I combined them and color coded them similarly and that kind of thing. You know, making something new that's not just like a photo turned digital, I guess. Mm -hmm. Have you got to the point where you've figured out or ask people to give you not like, you know, Twitter stuff, but like when you're working on projects, have you got to the point where you ask for like specific kind of briefs or specs? Yeah, I mean, my briefs and specs are always very casual because, you know, I'm a casual person. I've gotten to the point where I know which questions to ask to make them tell me what they actually want. Because, like, 
I've gotten some really vague requests before, you know, like just draw like this based on this photo. And I'm like, okay, do you actually want this photo to be involved in it? Or do you want it to be a different style with the same kind of concept? Or do you want it to be like my style of that? Which honestly all ties back to the very first commission I ever got in high school. I had someone whose mom owned a hair salon. She asked me to do a painting based on this painting she had seen online somewhere. And she showed me the photo and I was like, oh, okay, so you want a painting like this for your salon? She's like, yes. It's like, okay, well, I'm obviously not gonna copy someone else's painting. So I took like the geometric style and made a whole new painting with a very similar look, but different design. She came in and she said, no, 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 no. I just wanted you to copy that painting and put it on a canvas. Why, why didn't you just do that? And I was like, <laughs> why are you asking me to do it if you just wanted that original painting? So I've learned how to nitpick out what they're actually asking for. And I've learned to reject things that are not something I'm capable of like that, where they're asking for something that I'm not comfortable with. I'm very blunt in that sense, I think, but that's good. That's a good fits everyone. So, Oh, that's totally good. I, I didn't learn that for a while. So what advice do you have for someone that's like needs to know that? Cause being, especially being an artist, people assume you can do all things even happens mm-hmm. to marketers too. It happens. I think it just happens to creative jobs or creative people, but people mm-hmm. just assume that you can do all things that fall under that bucket. So what's your advice to someone that's like, Hey, how do I say no to somebody? Or how do I like reposition it to be like, well, actually this is what I can do for you. What is like some words of wisdom that you can pass on? Know your boundaries. And I, I feel like none of us do because we've all talked about like imposter syndrome and feeling like we're not doing enough. And well, if they ask for this, I should be able to do this. But like, no, (laughs) at some point you need to figure out what you're good at and what you're able to do without like freaking out and not being able to do it at all. Like if someone came up to me and asked me to produce an entire trailer for a movie, I would be like, I want to do that. But no, like I have no clue how to do that, nor would I be able to figure it out in a way that benefits them. So know your boundaries, know what you are capable of and what you are willing to do for people because sometimes they'll ask for something and you'll be so excited about it, but it is not something that you can or want to do. And unless you desperately need the money and are willing to beat yourself up over it, don't do it. (laughs) Because it will just waste everyone's time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really good advice. Because especially when you're starting out, you kind of just want to do everything because you're like, what if this opportunity never comes up again? Mm -hmm. What if, you know, this is my one shot to make a movie trailer? It's like, it's probably not, but you're just not ready yet. So like try everything out, but if it's professional and you're worried, you won't be able to level up to what they're paying you and it's going to ruin your life for the next few days, let them know and suggest someone else. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is so true. Well, thank you again. It's been awesome talking to you. Where can people find you on website, Twitter, Instagram? What plug, where can we find Caitlin? (laughs) Well, my website's pretty garbage because it's the one I made in class for HTML, but uh, (laughs) pretty much I'm I'm KES Draws on everything except for my marketing Twitter, which is at NYC Marketing Kit. Which Which that in itself is like the coolest handle, by the way. I remember just like the, the story I have to end on is how I came across Caitlin. I saw like your Twitter handle in the feed. And as my first thought was like, damn, that's a good Twitter handle. Like I had to see who this person was that they got like, that was like almost like a rapper name. It's like, I don't even know what it was, but it was just like, I had to go see. And like, I was like, who is this person? Because that is a really cool name. And then I saw yourself and I was like, oh, like props to Caitlin. Like that was really clever. And that's still like maybe one of my favorite Twitter handles. And it's accessible because you capitalized the beginning of each letter. So respect. Right. We love Camel Case. Yeah. I mean, everyone can resonate with being a student at some point and feeling lost and wanting guidance. So I feel like I've gotten to a point where I'm no longer just the person coming in like, what does that mean? And like, wait, I I want advice for that. I feel like I'm actually able to give some now, which has been a really cool transition. So, you know, maybe a few years down the line, I'll change it to just like (laughs) a person in New York (laughs) instead of kid. But um. Well, no, yeah, you for now. Use it. Like people, I mean, if it's like a nickname, like kid, like uh, I had a friend in high school who tried to make that her nickname. First of all, you can't give yourself a nickname, but she wanted no. her nickname to be the kid. And it was just going to like carry her through adulthood and it never caught on. But I think yours would, would catch on for sure. Cool. 
Hopefully. I mean, it's working so far. So yeah, NYC Marketing Kid. So Caitlin is at NYC Marketing Kid. Your Instagram is, K- is that your initials? K-E-S draws? Yes. Yes, it is. Well, yep. thank you again. You've been amazing. I know you're going to do big things. Just remember us when you're like doing the Marvel behind the scenes or Spider-Verse. Oh, in, like, 100%. Five years. This is my first like professional-esque talk. So yeah. Um, definitely will let you know if stuff like that happens but yes i'm stoked for you caitlin i'm excited i'm rooting for you i think a lot of people are we all um i mean we all got together on zoom for your for your 21st birthday i think you you have a fan club (laughs) if you haven't figured that out (laughs) i wish i had kept it on so you could have witnessed me burning my hair but unfortunately did not think that far ahead but thank you again thanks for coming on have a have a good rest of your night you too